The Incomparable, number 509, April 2020. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the season gone by of Star Trek Picard. That's right. New adventures of Jean-Luc Picard. You may remember him from Star Trek The Next Generation. That's the show that he was on, played by Patrick Stewart. And uh, he came back in a 10-episode series on uh, on CBS All Access in the U.S. and on something Canadian, Crave something, Erica Yep, it's on Crave. And then everywhere else in the world, it was on Amazon. So there. Um, and uh, I have a group of people here to talk about the first season of Star Trek Picard in its entirety. If you haven't watched it and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, I recommend you go to the Vulcan Hello podcast where we did an episode about every episode and you can listen to those. But we're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about the end. We're going to talk about what happens. So if you're a spoiler averse, do not listen to this episode until you've seen Season one of Star Trek Picard. Joining me to talk about Star Trek. It's great, great group here. Anjay Tomic is here. Hello. Make it so. I'm just going to, yeah, hi. Yeah, that's all, right. that's all I have. <laughs> that's yeah. that's going to make it so. That's a, that's a catchphrase <laughs> that is acceptable in these uh, in this context. Cicero Holmes is here. Hello. I don't want the game to end. Oh, <laughs> man. You guys are killing it. Erica Ensign, hi. Uh, engage? Yeah, you got it. It was right there. <laughs> okay. You took it. <laughs> So is a catchphrase draft now, maybe? Yes. James Thompson, hello. Now, I'm just not going to do a ridiculous Scottish accent for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> which, which hologram are you supposed to be? I guess the engineering one, right? It's always yeah, the engineering I mean, one. Engineers are always Scottish. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the rule. It's Star Trek. It's true. And Gene McDonald, hello. You owe me a ship, Snell. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we broke the little ship. I'm sorry. So uh, quite to a surprise, I think, for a lot of people that, that uh, it sounded like Patrick Stewart was never going to come back to this part. And I remember watching Logan, uh, the James Mangold movie uh about Wolverine, but uh, Patrick Stewart's in it as Professor X. And and I remember watching that movie and thinking, what a missed opportunity that they never did a revisitation of Jean-Luc Picard, like that Patrick Stewart never went back there. And it sounds like the... um, the brain trust behind Star Trek at CBS went to Patrick Stewart and said, we have an, we have an idea of treating this kind of like Logan, <laughs> right? <laughs> you liked being a Logan, right? You like how that turned out. Maybe we should revisit that. And, the, and, it, and it apparently worked. It was uh, quite remarkable. And they've done 10 episodes. There's a second season that they plan on making that they're writing now. And then they'll shoot it sometime maybe when cameras are available again. Um, and then, or, or it's, it's a future story about Jean-Luc Picard's Zoom meetings. Maybe that'll be what it'll be. <laughs> so, so let's talk about season one of Star Trek Picard. And I wanted to start, uh, as I often do, by going around to my panel and just talk about your, you know, your feelings about this in general. Your, um, you know, do you have a fond memories of Star Trek: The Next Generation that uh, that were uh, leading you into this, or or had you kind of put that away and not really thought about it, or or just being interested in new Star Trek? It could be that simple too. But I'm just sort of some opening statements, if you will, before we dive into what happened in the 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard season one. Anjay, you, you were a big Star Trek fan, I know. So, you know, what, are, what were your feelings about diving back in and re-engaging with Jean-Luc Picard? Uh, I saw what you did there. <laughs> I, did, I did. Wait, he does a lot of diving in. No, I, that's not what you meant. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Next Generation was my, my, my first contact 
This makes you my yes. nemesis. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't have an insurrection on this podcast. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, I basically watched it on Croatian TV during the summers because it was on all the time there. Uh, that, that's where I kind of figured out Star Trek was for me. So when I heard Picard was coming back, I, I, um, Picard was an old man when I watched it, right? And this is like 30 years later, basically, well, 25, I guess. And it's like, how old is he now? That's where the dread comes in for me when I heard the, there was going to be a new series. Because it's, you know, um, like just, he was Jean-Luc Picard. He was that guy, right? And you talked about Logan and like Logan was a very sort of somber affair mm-hmm. with, you know, him almost dying and stuff. And then when I heard this was happening, I was like, oh, they're going to mess this up, right? And then I watched it and they uh, did not mess it up. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a new Star Trek thing and another one that's kind of good, at least in my opinion, which now follows Discovery. And before that, there was Enterprise, which we all love. We all know that. Mm-hmm. That's the best one. But then, so, <laughs> but yeah, wait, like this is, a, this is the second series I enjoyed and I want more of. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's it, like, it's good to be a Trekkie again, I guess. Like, uh, like uh, it's a good uh, sort of a, a, a good point in the timeline, let's say. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm here for this, Jason. All right, like, good. I'm, I'm good. just going to say, make it so again. Okay, just, just keep people. on saying yeah, that. Just, <laughs> Cicero, <laughs> you, what were your feelings going into this? The uh, you know your feelings about Star Trek and and Next Generation and Captain Picard and all of that. So uh, I talk about Star Trek every week on a podcast that is not named The Vulcan Hello. No. Um, what's it? What's it called? Let's promote it. Let's get it out there. It, it is called it is called Discovery Debrief, uh, where we we got together for Star Trek Discovery, and and as um, the Star Trek universe has has increased on television uh, and in the extended universe and literary universe, uh, we've we've been de- diving deep into those as well. So uh, we talked about Picard. Um, I've I've been doing a reverse broadcast order rewatches of all of the Star Trek shows. So I started with Enterprise before Discovery came out. I started with Enterprise and I went to Voyager. I just finished DS9. I am starting TNG right now. Mm. Um, now I've, I've watched TNG already, but, uh, you know, this is, this is, uh, a, like a full on, like, understanding a grasp of of what it was like. And, uh, for Picard, uh, I was excited for it. And it came and it wasn't terrible. Um, at times it was fantastic for me. I, I don't know where I land in, in its totality yet. Yeah, there's there's a lot for us to chew on today for sure, because there's there's definitely a bunch of interesting aspects of how this show is structured and what's in it. We'll 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 get there. Erica, everybody <laughs> knows you as a Doctor Who fan, but here you are talking about Star Trek. So what's uh what's going on? Uh yeah, I like Star Trek too. I think my feelings for Star Trek are very sort of amorphous and just warm and fuzzy. I don't have a lot of the the deep knowledge. I'm I'm pretty sure I watched all of Next Generation like as it aired and haven't watched it since then. Um and I saw most of the original series on syndication when I was a kid but haven't watched it since then. Um, I watched some of Deep Space Nine until Babylon 5 won me over. Sorry. And wow. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then I gave up on Voyager pretty early. Um, so I haven't... Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sorry for that. <laughs> that was... that was. <laughs> it, it gets so much better. Well, really I, I'm sure I'm sure it does, yeah. but it just, it was not for me. Um, <laughs> right. And, and yeah, so I, 
I was going into this looking forward to it because I remembered enjoying Jean-Luc Picard as a character, but I really didn't have a lot of specific memories of stuff. And I watched Nemesis for an episode of this very podcast, which maybe someday I will, oh, yes. I will forgive the oh, podcast yeah. for. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was not good, but at least I went in with the knowledge of, of what had happened to Data. But I think on the whole, like I really loved the beginning of Picard. And I, I think because I didn't have as many deep-seated feelings about data that as it went on it it paled a little bit especially toward the end for me and james how about you i watched uh, next generation off videotapes from the local blockbuster uh back in the 90s i think and uh you know i've watched all of star trek and i think probably deep space nine remains my favorite but last year we sat down and we rewatched all of next generation and all the movies so it was kind of fairly fresh in my mind And Discovery set a really high bar for me in terms of how to do a modern Star Trek series. And the Orville set a really low bar on how to do a next generation (laughs) knockoff. And I wasn't sure where this was going to land. And I'm not actually sure, a bit like uh, Erica and Cicero, I'm not kind of sure where I land on this uh, series. I enjoyed watching it, but less than I expected to. You know, there's kind of bits of it, like the, you know, the terribly accented Rios holograms and Nerissa's scenery chewing and stuff that just veer a bit, I don't want to say towards the Orville, but, you know, it's (laughs) not like of the quality that I kind of thought Discovery had. Uh, And there's problems I have with the plot and things. and uh, But, I mean, I did enjoy it. Uh, It's just I... I kind of inspected slightly more. All right. We will dig in. Uh, Jean, what about you? I certainly uh, came to this most excited because when they added um, or announced that Seven of Nine was going to be in the show, because I mean, I like TNG, but it's not in my top three of Mm. Star Trek series. Um, And I know. And uh, because I didn't grow up with it. It wasn't my first contact. I I watched Voyager was the first series that I watched besides the original series that I watched like all the way through. And I was like, I'm a Voyager fan now. And I so I was excited. I thought um, there is a lot of interesting stuff. I think Seven gets to be really you know, do a lot of cool things in this, in this series. There's a lot of things like I love that happened in this, in these 10 episodes and that made it worth watching. And then there was just the general feeling of like too much thrown up against the wall too in too short of a period. And uh, if they were going to cover this amount of stuff with these high stakes, it was not going to really work in 10 episodes. Yeah, the 10 episode thing, I think, is an interesting choice. I don't know whether they felt they had 10 episodes of story or whether 10 episodes was what they had budget and time for to pay Patrick Stewart. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but it did feel in hindsight like they had lots and lots and lots of ideas and either misjudged how much room they had or as it went along, realized they needed to start kind of discarding things that they thought they were going to need. But either way, the shape of the season is 
very strange. Um, the pacing is very strange. Uh, for the record, I, I grew up on original series, and then uh, Next Generation came out when I was in high school and college, and uh, I love them both, and they are my they are my two loves of Star Trek. And so, uh, for me, you know, it, the 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 truth is that. Um, you know, uh, there's an interesting dynamic here, which is these. This is revisiting a setting that we haven't seen in a long time because it's the first sort of post-Nemesis event in the Star Trek universe. So we, do, what, what happened next to the big story, we don't know until this show, and uh, revisiting characters that we haven't seen in a long time and the feelings we've got about them, and it's a pretty powerful force. Like seeing these, the next generation characters that do turn up, and even you know, and yes, and uh, Seven of Nine as well from Voyager. Like you have a, there's something about seeing a character again after a long time where you, you it's like an old friend. It really is. Even if, even if a show is completely structured differently and totally different and TV is not the same as it was in the late 80s and early 90s, there is some real power in bringing back these characters who live on in your in your thoughts and in your memories. And um, that that is one of the things that the show, I think, did really well and with care. And I think perhaps because Patrick Stewart sort of instructed them, let's not just revisit for revisitation's sake let's try to do uh show change and show show a new spin on whatever you're showing and i do think the the show succeeded at that even though its structure is kind of weird just you know we want to see like if we're going to see troy and Riker, we should understand that they're not the same as they were the last time we saw them and why and why that's important and that goes down the line for every character every race every you know aspect of it i really did appreciate their committing to this not just being kind of the 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 I don't know, the next generation holiday special reunion special or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you mentioned the, the the thought of them perhaps having a lot of ideas and not necessarily knowing how to fit them all in. And and I, I think to me that felt like that might be the case because because of what you said later is is the care that they gave. I think that this is a show that was made by people who really, really love Star Trek and really, really love these characters. And, you know, whatever else I thought about the series at any given point, it seemed very clear to me that uh, what was put in front of us was put in front of us by people who were trying very hard to get it right and to do right by these characters. And it was, you know, I'm sure there were many outside forces that they were fighting against in order to try to get it up there as well as they could. But uh, uh, I think I think they it was it was clear they cared basically that's the bottom line yeah and going with data and picard and the whole android thing and can i just plug max tankins list for tng where he picked like cherry picked episodes one should watch like sure. uh yeah and uh, like the first one i think he mentions that's the first good one right in tng is <laughs> a measure of a man measure of a man yeah, yeah which, which which is a great episode like that's star trek that it's best right no battles and like it's a courtroom drama basically right. <laughs> i mean it literally yep. is a courtroom yeah, drama. yeah it's, it's basically la law no i'm just like it's uh, uh so, so but like just if you want to do a new picard series right like that's where you go right like you go you want to expand on that and then when you have uh, um you know patrick stewart who is a, like a proper actor right like that let, like i agree with jason that like that's some powerful stuff and then data and the whole android thing and the rights 
of androids and they really kind of run away with that. I will agree though with the, the, the pacing and stuff. It's kind of a, every episode kind of sort of feels like it belongs to a different show. Right. <laughs> like if you didn't have the same people, it kind of, you know, it like, I, I mean, just, the, the thing that I felt about it was there was this big build up through the series to getting to this planet and we get there and it's kind of like it was an episode of TNG and yeah. there's like 20 people. <laughs> it's not even that. It felt very original series to me, actually. It's a planet of the space android hippies with their yeah. cult. Yeah. Right. It's very TOS to me. <laughs> but I, I was kind of like expecting in my mind that it was going to be like an entire planet worth right. of mm-hmm. people or, or something. And it, it just felt, I mean, with us, aside from the sort of opening the portal to the robot space worms or whatever. It felt kind of a lot lower stakes than I was expecting for all the build-up. And I don't know if that was just a budgetary thing, but it it, it didn't, you know, it it kind of raised this big question of, you know, uh, the, the, the rights of the synths and stuff. And I don't feel that it answered it particularly well. Yeah, it felt like they had the budget of the original TNG series, like when they get to the planet. Like it was, it was. Oh yeah, they I mean, ran out of money. Yeah, it's like it's just it's it's like two rooms, a courtyard, and, yeah. and a lot yeah. of people who never speak. Yes, yes, yes. 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 And, yes. Yeah. a lot of extras. Yeah, yeah, and a board a board cube, which is like a big door and some sand, basically. <laughs> Don't forget the soccer ball. Yes, there's, oh, yeah, a, there's yeah. a secret <laughs> hidden soccer ball. Yeah, I think I read something about how they had they, there was an issue with the locations that they were using for that, and that they had to change the location. And there may have been a quick rewrite mm. in there. But yeah. I agree. I mean, the, the the for a show that seems to have been you know carefully conceived, and and I do think Patrick Stewart's role was really to have a default kind of no to fan service, and then have to be talked into it. And I, I as a result, this show that is very nostalgic in some ways, it doesn't feel to me like a, a total nostalgia trip. Like it, it's trying to be more than that. It's trying to use new characters and talk about you know to use pieces of old lore to tell kind of new stories with a new angle. And I appreciate that about it, but. But the the shape of the season, we get sort of Picard at the beginning who has has retreated and and it's nice as a choice to have it be that he's just kind of miserable and alone and 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 not part of Starfleet anymore. And he made a horrible mistake and he's still sad about Data dying and all of those things. But when he gets swept up in this in this mission that he's decided to do, um, we 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 get, you know, there's a lot of Borg Cube stuff because what's the mystery of the Borg Cube? What's the mystery of the this this uh, conspiracy involving Starfleet and the Romulans? We you know we get a middle part part where they're kind of gathering information and they go to uh, to the 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 casino planet, which is right. probably the best episode of the <laughs> yes. of the ten. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and then and then there is the uh, the you know and then and also stops along the way at other places. They go to the board cube. They go to Riker and Troy's house. Uh, and then there's the end stuff. But it, it's they're all paid very differently which is weird because there's only 10 episodes and yet they do seem very different and then when by the time you get to the end if you start thinking back to the the places they've been there are a lot of just kind of wait a minute moments it's like well why do we spend so much time with the borg thematically it seemed like the borg and the androids and all this were kind of of a whole but we get to the end and it's not really about that and there's we just kind of crash the borg cube and leave it in the sand and they'll be fine and we leave and it's just uneven right like i I like the borg cube stuff it was fine except for you know the stuff with the 
with Nerissa, the Romulan secret agent, who is a very boring character. But um, but overall, it just seemed kind of lumpy. Like like again, like oh, this is a really interesting idea. Oh, I guess we're gonna walk away from it now. And they did that a lot. There were five seasons of ideas mm-hmm. um, crammed into one season of television. Yeah, because I think they weren't sure if they were gonna get five seasons. Uh, and so they and well, definitely not going to get five seasons with Jean-Luc Picard with with Patrick Stewart. So, you know, what can we squeeze in here? And, right. and uh, yeah, I think we, we you know, as you correctly said, we we kind of suffered narratively because of and, it. I mean, for me, part, what, there were things like um, so. Laris, the ex Tal Shiar, the former Tal Shiar, who are now his like uh, butlers or house managers <laughs> they were, or whatever they are, valets. They, yeah. they were kind of like, you know, one of my favorite set of characters mm-hmm. from this, and then they disappear after yes, three right. episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I, I hope that they were gonna like turn up at the end or or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. I think they're they're gonna be around for season. That two. would be. I hope that would be nice because honestly, the first like three episodes were my favorite of the whole series. I really, yeah. really enjoyed how they got back into it. The choice, like you said, of of you know making him having made a mistake and he's at home, and then like I am a sucker for a narrative where you take somebody who's been out of the fight for a while and you have to slowly convince them to to get back into it because you know they want to and I thought that that was all done really skillfully and it was planting the seeds for this mystery um, with you know Daj and I didn't like that she got killed so fast but you know how else are you going to get into the story Um, but yeah so I really enjoyed the beginning of it and like you said the 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 feeling of it just keeps changing from like, it, not necessarily just episode to episode. I thought the first like two or three felt of a piece and then it got right. even more lumpy. Um, so yeah, we kept leaving these threads and they just sort of were were dropped. And I appreciate that in future, some of those threads can can be picked up. For example, I thought Seven of Nine got really short shrift in this season. I was super, like, even though I didn't watch Voyager for some reason, I was, I just like really Jerry Ryan a lot. And I was so excited to see her. And in her first episode, I was like, yeah, she kicks ass. This is going to be great. And then they just kind of leave her and thank goodness she comes back a little bit. But I still think at the end, she got short shrift again. So I'm, I'm hoping that some of those threads do get picked up in later seasons because it was it was like a scarf where you haven't weaved in the ends yet so there's just stuff hanging off all over the place (laughs) (laughs) let me take a break for a second from our discussion of star trek picard to tell you about our first sponsor this episode is brought to you in part by masterclass now masterclass is an app that's accessible on your phone on the web on the apple tv and it lets you learn from the best exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft all sorts of people are taking online classes these days you can too expand your mind while you're sitting there at home on whatever device you want to watch you can learn the art of filmmaking from martin scorsese improve your screenwriting skills with aaron sirkin learn the art of storytelling from neil gaiman over 75 different instructors across tons of categories there's something for everyone i am a space fan i really enjoyed the course from chris hadfield the astronaut talking about what it takes to be an astronaut and what they go through to train and what life is like in space and uh, how you have to prepare to do all of these wacky things when you're on the International Space Station. Uh, Really great, insightful, fun. And of course, if you're a creative professional, the getting some insight from, or or a fan, frankly, uh, from people like Martin Scorsese, Aaron Sorkin, Neil Gaiman, the list goes on. Pretty amazing. Buy one 
annual Masterclass All Access Pass for yourself and you get one free to share with someone else. That's pretty awesome. Go to masterclass.com slash incomparable to get started with this limited time offer. That's masterclass.com slash incomparable. Go to masterclass.com slash incomparable to sign up and you'll get 15% off masterclass.com slash incomparable. Thank you to Masterclass for supporting the incomparable. I thought like the the Borg cube was going to be a literal mystery box, and everything was kind of re- going to revolve around that. Sure. And there was going yeah. to be something about how like the Romulans had actually created the Borg in some fashion. <laughs> and, yeah, you know the, yeah. The, that's why the, there had been all this trying to wipe out synthetics, and it was all going to link together nicely towards the end. And it, it just yeah, it seemed to be like. A bunch of episodes that had wildly different tones in some of them, and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a lot more an arc plot than any other sort of previous old school uh, Star Treks, but it just well, it's not it's not a Star Trek series in that we've seen before, right? I think that yeah, even yeah. St- something like Discovery, which was trying to apply modern television storytelling techniques to uh, to Star Trek, is still about ultimate after the first after the pilot. Basically, it's about a crew on yeah. a starship yeah. in Starfleet, and this is not. This is uh, named for the main character, and he ends up having a ragtag crew on a uh, on a on a hired ship. But like, it's not. It, it's not Star Trek in that way. I think, interestingly, that like we're not going to do that. But it, so that means immediately you're sort of like, well, what is it then? What does it mean to do a, a show that is Star Trek but isn't about a Starfleet crew exploring places or being at a space station or whatever it might be? I think the the crew that they assemble by the end of the the last episode you know, that's that's an interesting place for them to take it for the next series, you know, because oh, yeah, sure. you've yeah. got all these people and it looks, you know, it looks like Seven of Nine was going to stick around and uh, uh, Soji was going to stick around and all this. But I don't know where they're going to go from here because, you know, they've, you've got this ship and is this ship going to do small scale adventures from now on or is it going to be, you know, end of the universe stuff again? I wish the ship was kind of cool. It's not. Right? <laughs> am, I alone, am I alone in that? I just wanted to bring that up at some point because the, the, the it's it's not special. You know, well, I, that's putting it mildly, sort of. <laughs> I don't have strong feelings about Star Trek ships in general, but I thought it was kind of cool looking. It was chunky. Yeah, I, I like that it's not a starship. I think they're trying very hard to have it be not a starship. And it does have a little bit of a Firefly feel to me, especially the fact yeah. that they built it as a single unit. Mm-hmm. So you can have those shots where they mm-hmm. literally leave the bridge, go down the stairs, walk across the, the, the main kind of hallway and into the sick bay. And it's all just a continuous shot because they built the they built the sets hashtag they built the sets by the way they built the whole ship as a set and i like that but it's not i mean it's not a star trek starship right it's this other it's more star wars in a way because it's you know a dirty transport ship and i I agree that like on the outside the outside design of it is it's it's a little bit boring but on the inside i thought it was sufficiently not a starship and it needed to be not a starship yeah the inside is kind of cool but the outside is like a generic sort of spaceship from a like a 2005 video game like that's (laughs) (laughs) i think that was on purpose don't you yeah i think that was intentional one of the things that i think the show did uh really really well at least for me was hitting my sci-fi sweet spot which is world building um to to uh to everyone's point about the 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 like 
this the first first set of episodes were set up for the TCAs to go out as one thing, but they showed what Earth was like if you weren't part of Starfleet. Um, right. You've got this regular looking ship now that, it, you know, it's there's nothing really remarkable about it. But what's remarkable about it is the people on the inside. The costumes all seem very real. They don't seem like, you know, psychedelic tinfoil of the TOS or the or the, you know, the <laughs> crazy bodysuits of TNG. These are these all seem to make sense. And I think that was one of the real big successes of the show. I mean, I think that, that what worked for me the most was the cast. And there was a lot of people like uh, I liked uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Raffi uh, particularly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. There were a few people that stood out. Like we, we mentioned Peyton List's Narissa, that who was seemed to have come from an entirely different show. <laughs> yeah, uh, she could. I mean, she literally could have been on the Oval with a character like right. that. Um, <laughs> and I, I like her as an actress. I think it was just what she was given was not particularly. Great. No, there's an interview with Michael Chabon where he said that they had a lot of extra stuff explaining who Narissa was, and every time it came to it, they just decided to cut it because they did. They thought it was too far afield, and I thought, oh, well, that's why she seems completely, you know, one-dimensional and boring, uh, yeah. and just a, a, yeah. a. She ended up just being there because they needed a mustache twirling villain, and that's not a very interesting character. But but everybody else, I mean, I think did well, and I think actually. Uh, possibly did better than some of the Next Generation original actors. Something that struck me with Discovery that is, I think is still true here is that um, we live in an era now of, this is the peak TV era, right? And there's no, people are on TV and people are on, on movies and like, I don't know, Star Trek The Next Generation, especially and in that era, it was a syndicated science fiction show. And I got the sense that they didn't get the best actors. Erica knows this about Babylon 5. It was even worse for them. But it's like, you couldn't really get the best actors and your guest stars weren't that good. And I don't know. I feel like sci-fi shows back then did not have access to the best talent in terms of acting. They, yeah. they would sometimes get somebody like Patrick Stewart, who they almost didn't hire because who wants a bald English guy? And it's like, hire this <laughs> we guy, do, please. We do, we do. <laughs> but well, with Discovery and with Picard, and especially with Picard, I was struck by like, the cast is really good. Mm-hmm. The guest stars yes. are also really good. Like the level yeah. of quality performance in Star Trek in the modern day is, I think, just so far above what it ever was before. And I don't know all the mechanics about like how you cast people in TV now versus back then. But like you say, we have Patrick Stewart. Would you like to be on a TV show? Sir well, Patrick that's Stewart. I think, <laughs> and it's like they got top flight people like, uh, you know, Alison Pill. As Dr. Gerardi, she's great. And she's in, she's also in Devs playing a kind of very different, but kind of similar character. I know her from Goon, the hockey movie series. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So she's, she's really great. Um, And Michelle Hurd was already mentioned. Like that is, that is a character that I think is harder. That's a delicate line to walk because they want her to be damaged and for it to be Picard's fault. And that could easily become, I think, I think Rafi could have, in in less talented hands been a really 
not great character, but Michelle Hurd, I feel like, invested her with so much humanity and you could see her misery, but you can also see why she was so talented and that she's sort of self-destructive. And like, again, I think in, in, in a less talented performer's hands, I'm not sure Raffi would have worked as well. Yeah, I had for, I had not realized where I knew her from. I just like recognized her until literally today I was catching up on watching some Ash versus the Evil Dead and she's uh. in that and I was like, <laughs> this is like, it's a completely different character that she's playing there. It's like, the lady's got range. She's also in Blind Spot um, yes. and she's the, the one of the evil people in that. Uh, so I, I knew her mostly from that, but again, it's quite a different character. I think like the, the, the acting sort of chops all of them are kind of really good actors like most of them that kind of smooths over some of the lumpiness it does i think if you had like the sort of the you know the ups and downs of the you know sort of weird arc the whole season is and the acting would also be kind of i'll say subpar to be kind right like if it had like the you know if the acting was on at the level of you know 90s TNG right I think this would be a like a terrible show but then you have like Patrick Stewart who kind of you know he's Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. like you know yeah that's that's enough most days I liked Rios yeah, yeah and Rios, Rios was, was yeah. I think my favorite new character but, but I liked Rios but I didn't like the holograms you didn't <laughs> like the holograms? I think I, I like the holograms, holograms more than Rios <laughs> it, it reminded me of um the different Wellses on the Flash, you oh, know, yeah. where where each one was a sort of let's take some stereotype and <laughs> turn it up to eleven, and yeah, I, it, it just I thought it was com- good comic relief, which is what it was, and it made me laugh. Yeah, and I so. know, I know it was comic relief, but it, it didn't seem to fit in with the rest of the show hmm. to me, um, but. That, that, I think that was my least favorite bit of it. I think Rios, uh, talk about a, uh, I mean, hey, we want you to play the captain of a starship. Uh, oh, by the way, Patrick Stewart and Jean-Luc Picard will be your passenger. Like, <laughs> what <laughs> a yeah. challenge. And he's, he, again, another character, this is one of the great things about so many of these characters is that they're, they're, they're broken in ways that Star Trek characters didn't used to be broken. And Rios right. is like, he is a true believer in Starfleet. We know that the moment Picard meets him, he, he pe- pegs it immediately. He's like, aha, like, I know your story, you are Starfleet through and through, but he has been, you know, he, he witnessed, as it turns out, the suspiciously coincidentally related to the main plot death of his captain. <laughs> but uh, and that's what, what, what kind of ruined him and drove him out of Starfleet. And so he's he's an interesting mix of being the kind of he and Rafi are both the kind of officers Picard's used to working with but broken. And I I think I, I I do, I enjoy his performance a lot as, as Chris Rio. So it's a tough, tough thing to be sitting on the, in the captain's chair when Patrick Stewart's sitting over your shoulder. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. For Star Trek, generally, if you think about it, this is the first crew that is not, even though they're Starfleet alumni, um, they're not uh, managing their ship like Starfleet uh, officers. Um, it's not Voyager where they say like we're out here, and we're gonna we're gonna stick to Starfleet pr- protocol. So uh, yeah, I mean you get to call the captain or the admiral JL, and you get to <laughs> do stuff like that. And I think that's like the, what makes it interesting, and also make will make it challenging for another season to uh, for Star Trek fans who are used to a certain like you know, comfort zone of like, well, there's the captain, there's the first officer, there's, you know, the engineer, and they do these kind of missions. This is a 
this is quite different. Well, I think they, they've actually set themselves up for, uh, for, for that to work because so, so to one point, like in, the, I think in the fifth episode was the first episode of television Star Trek not to feature any Starfleet uniforms. Hmm. Oh, okay. so they're trying to set it up. And I think what they've done with, the world that they built, the, the Starfleet that they've built in this show is shown that Starfleet is more like contemporary America and the ideals that we as the fans hold to that we call Star Trek belong to, you know, almost exclusively to this to this crew on this ship and their friends. Mm-hmm. And so when we move forward into the next season we can look at them as the, you know, the baby face heroes and mm-hmm. even Starfleet, which we love on other shows, is not the Starfleet that is to be loved uh, in this show. And they kind of they spend the whole season sort of doing, you know, the Dirty Dozen thing where he kind of picks up people and right. he has a ninja on his crew. Yes, he's got a rock, yeah. Romulan yeah. Uh, elf ninja. Elf. Yeah. 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 But, but like, I'm just saying like anything that happens in like the second season, if this is the crew, right, it's going to be like way more believable of them being a crew because they kind of went through something right. together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a, a, sort of a great starting point for like anything that happens now, right? I mean, they know very well what they're doing in that last shot of the last episode where they're, oh, they yes. literally have the yeah. crew standing on the bridge and yeah. having Picard say engage. It's like, mm, is this, is, yeah. are these the, you know, right? It's like, oh, I see. It's Star Trek. I get it. Yeah. And then Picard in every shot is kind of a little closer to the captain's chair. Like he's, yeah. <laughs> right. you know? can we build a second chair near your chair, Chris? Can we do that? <laughs> My chair, Picard, you owe me money for this job. Where's he getting? He's have to sell the, the the vineyard to pay yeah. off Chris Rios for the job. And that then what happens to know. the two Tal Shiar agents? Well, and the they dog. Have to work on the ship, right? They, they and the dog. On the ship, yeah. 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 Number one. Yeah, everybody just comes over. Like the dog comes. Like, yeah. Everybody just on the ship. Like, yeah. They can replace the uh, emergency uh, hospitality hologram. So Issa Briones has to do a lot of lifting in this season oh, because she's yeah. Dodge yeah. and yeah. then she's Soji and then later she's also um, Sutra. Uh, the evil, evil gold data-like android who is up to no good, and that—that uh, that is, you know, young actress. Uh, never heard of her before this, and she has to bear. I mean, basically, she is the other lead with Patrick Stewart in this show, sure. and so uh, you know, how how'd she do? What do people think? I think she did very well. I mean, I. I she was like of the new characters i think she was my favorite and i i was sad uh like erica that we we lost one of them so quickly uh-huh. in the first episode <laughs> yeah but but we got like seven of them back in the last one so it's okay like it yeah evens out, like, i yeah. mean the 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 gold evil version wasn't quite as like nuanced a character I, but i think that was a really good <laughs> performance because she's so right. clearly not Soji, like she's yes. the way her, her, she moves. I mean, it's not just like her her skin tone and her hair and her dress, but it's like her her whole body Carriage. movement. It's like whoa, this is not her. Yeah. What is going on? Like it's it's super. If you get used to Soji, it's not her, right? Yeah, right. it's yeah. it's like it's Laura's daughter. Yeah, as yeah. That's, it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting. She also is the singer. Of blue skies at the end. At the end of oh, the last really? episode, oh, she's actually the, she's, oh. she's the singer. Wow! Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, head tilt with Riker and Troy is kind of awesome. Like when Riker recognizes the head tilt. Like oh the yes, head tilt, yes, yes. That was great. Like yes. that was like that head tilt. Like, 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 
Come more back. of that kind of fan service people like that. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing Star Trek. Yeah, yeah I I think Dodge was actually my favorite. Uh, and maybe that's just because, you know, I didn't get to see enough to then get, you know, disen- disenchanted. Uh, but I just I really liked her reaction to discovering all of this stuff. And that was one of the reasons I was really sad to see her go, because we had a completely different experience of discovering this uh, through Soji's eyes, which I do think is actually a nice narrative touch that we get to see two characters played by the same actor going through the same experience from different perspectives so you had sort of the like uh, super violent like you know that we get in the very first uh, first couple episodes and then you have we're, we get to know Soji first and she's she's making choices about her boyfriend <laughs> and you yeah. know you're kind of like oh boy girl I mean I've been there I, I have been there I understand don't get me wrong but I think seeing <laughs> seeing her repeat some of my mistakes kind of made me feel like uh, I was I was less emotionally connected to her than I was to Dodge <laughs> at the beginning. So, um, so I think while I still appreciated the way that she per- portrayed the feeling of, you know, the, the conflictedness of being like, am I real? What's happening? What's going on? I thought she did a really good job, but I was already kind of like... Like the 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 emoji with just like the flat mouth. I was like, mm, oh. to start with, <laughs> Narek. Uh, I think like after having seen Discovery, the my boyfriend is secretly an evil spy. Uh, again, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like a. It's not much of a secret, though, is it? Well, yeah, it wasn't. Well, yeah, yeah. It was no secret. Yeah, she not, knew. Well, it was a secret to her for a while. Not <laughs> really. She was... knew from the beginning that he was. Iffy. Just not what his mission was and that she was his mission. Yep. But she 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 figured that out. By the way. She knew he was sketchy. So Harry Trotaway as Narek, the first time I see him, I think, so he was the other finalist for Spock, right? Because he right, looks right. so much. Oh, yes. Yes. yes like yes. Ethan Peck, who plays Spock on Star Trek Discovery season two. And I had that moment of like, you know, very clearly these guys are, are cut from the same mold and they're like, okay, which one do we want to have be the uh, the kind of like beardy boyfriend and which one do we want to be the beardy brother and let's just push them in those directions. I think he's good. I mean, it's quite oh, yeah. a contrast with with uh, with his sister, uh, the, the Nerissa, who is just, like I said, my least favorite thing about the whole season. Um, I think he's good and I think you see some conflict there and, and, and you know, we don't dive too deep into it, but the idea that he actually does allow himself to have feelings for her but also realizes what his duty is which is to destroy her and it's like kind of a you know the 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 conundrum that a an undercover agent that a spy might face and like i get that um they cut uh, uh apparently a scene in the final episode so like literally we never see him again it's like where's Narek? Mm. who knows yep. he's wandering around <laughs> nobody really knows but i feel like he um was a a a complete character in a way that um that his sister wasn't which is funny because the way it's structured in the in the end you know she's the big bad who has to have the fight with seven of nine and seven kicks her down the bottom of a board cube which is good <laughs> I, I applauded it was yeah. great to be rid of her but um he does he doesn't get the big final moment although he does get that moment where he's like look suddenly we're on the same side so let's we'll we'll do a scheme to save the day and he does that part um and so i like i found him likable even though yes he's a bad guy i did find him likable in that way so i'm just i'm there with soji i guess is what i'm saying the uh hot <laughs> boyfriends in terms of her being gone i mean she did have a short range transporter thing which she used to get out of trouble previously yeah. so i think she's gone <laughs> I, I, I think you know they could bring her back 
And they could bring Narek back. Nope, um, they can't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they can't bring her back. Spoken. I don't allow it. <laughs> Jason, the line shall be drawn here. All right, time for our second break. This episode, very special episode of The Incomparable, brought to you by the same company that sponsored the entire season of the Vulcan Hello podcast with me and Scott McNulty. That's the New Mexico Tea Company. Uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot. Perhaps you heard of it. How important it is to Jean-Luc Picard. Well, the New Mexico Tea Company is giving any incomparable listener 15% off tea and free shipping. And on top of that, if it's Earl Grey tea that you're buying, it's 25% off. You heard me. You just need to use the code tea Earl Grey hot when you check out. And while you're there at the New Mexico Tea Company, be sure to uh, check out the Captain's Collection. It's a collection of different kinds of Earl Grey tea, which is pretty awesome. To see the Captain's Collection, go to tearlgreyhot.com slash Captain's Collection. You heard me right. New Mexico Tea Company registered tearlgreyhot.com. And you should go there just because whenever I type that into my browser, I giggle a little bit because it's hilarious. So the New Mexico Tea Company, great tea, all the tea that I drink, and I drink a lot of tea. I'm not a coffee person. I'm a tea person. All the tea I drink is from the New Mexico Tea Company. I'm drinking some right now. Well, when I'm done talking, I'll drink some more of it. I'm not drinking it while I'm talking. Anyway, my point is New Mexico Tea Company is great. Great deal. 15% off. Free shipping. 25% off Earl Grey. Tea Earl Grey Hot is the code. TeaEarlGreyHot.com is the website or NMTCo.com. Thank you to the New Mexico Tea Company for sponsoring Vulcan Hello all season and for sponsoring The Incomparable today. Just one of my things I love from this is Romulan warrior nuns. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Absolute yeah. candor. Like the whole thing. That episode was one of my favorites, even though, you know, it quickly became kind of forgotten in the entire, you know, rest of the story arc. It's a really good uh, episode. It, that's a really yeah. good episode. And uh, I love that whole idea. I, I, so between Discovery season two and Picard season one, I, I just enjoy new writers coming in and taking a piece of, of Star Trek canon and saying, let's do something new and weird with it. And so in, start, in uh, season two of Discovery, it was the, the weird Klingon time monks, where it was like, you know, yes. their home planet's called Kronos. Of course they have time monks. And I'm like, great. That's great. I love it. I, it's super weird. I don't really understand it. But I love how strange it is. And they, here it's the, um, well, you know how Romulans are secretive, right? Well, there's this, this uh, group of non-warrior ninjas who only ever tell the truth. They're like the, the opposite <laughs> of what you think of Romulans. And, and it's the same thing. It's like, that's awesome. Like, why not? Not yeah. every everybody in every race in the galaxy is going to be like the same. They're going to have weird cultural wrinkles that we as humans never see, right? And so then you reveal one to us. So I, I love that. And of course, then Elnor comes out of that as the he's Elnor, there, like yeah. he's been hanging around. He's been raised with all the warrior nuns and he can't be one because he's a boy, but they trained him well and he gets to be like a, <laughs> you know, a, a, a samurai for yeah. for hire. He's a ronin, I a guess. Very, a samurai with absolute candor. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he doesn't he, know how to lie. That, 
he doesn't know how to lie. Yeah. And he's always, he's sort of like the data on their, sh- on their ship. He is. Because Soji he, yeah. isn't. Totally. He's the one that doesn't understand how regular human beings work. And he's like, are we telling the truth now? <laughs> yeah. When they go to start a city, they're like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and you, you will be you, but don't talk. <laughs> that's, that's what his, his instructions are. As far as his fighting and uh, like just dexterity goes, he's like a cheat code in an RPG. Like he just, yeah. everything's up to 99. Yeah, like right. he just does everything. I, although I do like the, the sort of the warrior nuns. Uh, they they kind of help uh, people whose uh, causes are lost, I guess. Like, I yeah. don't know how to, yeah, that that was kind of, it. Kinda, that, that, that Jason, that was, that would have been a great sort of episode of TNG. That would have been one of those where, one of the classics. It would have mm-hmm. made Max Tampkins list, I think. That's like, good. just the Enterprise shows up, they find some nuns, complete candor, the Romulans, Picard goes down there, some stuff happens, they save him. A classic. A classic. Blanks, yeah. Classic stuff happens. Yeah. And we, we had quite a few sort of guest stars, like from the old series, come in. What did people sort of think of those? James is now hosting the show because that was my next Sorry. question. Congratulations. Yeah. I was reading your notes. He's moving closer to the captain's chair, Jason. That's how yes. I know it is. <laughs> Don't, this is my chair. You can't sit in it. Um, it was the, like, I liked, I think, uh, Jerry Ryan more than I liked the appearances of the TNG people. Um, well, and I'm not sure why that is. She has, she's in the story. I, I feel like that's the big thing, right? Is like, Troy and Riker are there in a moment, kind of in a, a, a pause to do some kind of character stuff that I like, but like Jerry Ryan's like in the show, like I know she's standing on the bridge at the end and there's this real question of like, is Seven going to be in the show all next year? But like she always felt in all of her scenes, like she's in the show, like she's an actor in the, out in the galaxy. She's not home making pizza. She's doing stuff and she is, <laughs> she is a part of what they're doing or tangential to what they're doing. And, and maybe some of that is the writing and the, and, and the performance, but I think also just her role in the show like and this is me agreeing with you i think that i don't think it's that i really enjoyed the episode a lot with troy and Riker. i, I think it's a wonderful kind of change of pace episode and and does some uh, some really interesting things but but jerry ryan like the moment she appears i'm like oh wow um yeah can she just stay now because she's the, the character was always interesting but like she it's like she picked up right where she left off like she's full energy completely engaged she's vital yeah yeah i mean i would have taken i mean i liked the episode too and it was nice to see them but i would have taken another episode of like plot rather than just pizza oh making. interesting i that's a, i wonder if Mm-mm. i i wonder if i would i don't think i would yeah. because i am another thing i'm a sucker for is the pause episode where you're able to stop and take a breath right. and and feel yeah. things and i think Watching Soji in that episode to me was just as important as any of the the fan service yes. uh, other casting. Yeah, okay, so I think true. she has to trust Picard. The only mm-hmm. reason she trusts Picard in the last moment to do the right thing and not kill all humans mm-hmm. is because she had that that spell on Nepenthe and she talked to Riker and Troy's daughter and they had that conversation about how maybe you and Picard can you know mm-hmm. provide something for one another and you need yep. to get to know and him she, and all and of that. And she saw like, how much they trusted him and. Exactly. And speaking of great actors, that was a great child actor. She was great kid actor. Yes. So good. Yeah. And just seeing sort of Riker and Troy and sort of the stuff with their son, it kind of gave them, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're revisiting sort of characters from TNG, it kind of gave them, you know, you, you basically got to see 
like their whole life up to that point when Picard shows up, kind of, yeah. you kind of get a feel for what they're doing, which is kind of great because they're not just, you know, like cardboard cutouts kind of waving, you know, from the yeah, sidelines. Right. That's the, that's the most important thing is, is to show that time has moved on and it isn't a yes. happily ever after. And in their case, like, why are they not in Starfleet anymore? You know, he's, he's on reserve or whatever. And it's because they had, they had a very sick son and they tried to get, tried to save him and they moved to this planet and all that. And he died. And then they're like, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay here safe with our other child. And like, that's not the story you would have penned to, for the, for, for Riker and Troy at the end of uh, the next generation movies. But that's the whole point is that, yes, they had bumps along the way too. And they are also, you know, damaged in a different way than the other characters we left behind. And I, I appreciated it that, and that it meant something to visit them. That wasn't just a nostalgia trip where it's like, so how Jordy, how's Jordy doing or stuff like that. That's not why they're there. <laughs> when the ships turned up at the end, I was kind of half expecting a sort of wolf cameo uh, in that bit. I knew um, Riker was going to come back. I just knew it. Uh, I, so <laughs> I, I thought when I saw his uh, his credit in the in the opening credits of the final episode. Yeah, don't, don't watch the credits thought, yeah, if, you're gonna, if you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, every yeah. time we skipped him. But I did think... I actually thought, oh, they're, they're all going to end up back in Nepenthe for a for a pizza. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I was impressed. I was glad to see him. I liked seeing him. And I liked that he said, like, what do you think I'm going to do? Just make pizzas all day? Yeah. And for those so. of you who are wondering about that, like where what what that ship is. So he was sh- directing an episode of the third season of Discovery. And so they shot his part on a bridge set in Toronto. It's a combination oh. of like, it's part, I think it's part Discovery Bridge and Relit or part Enterprise Bridge or whatever, but they have those, those, so that one looks a little bit different and that's, they, they kind of pick that up from, that's the only bit of the whole thing shot in Canada, Erica. So there you go. Is Yay, Riker we got on something. That, on that ship because he was, he was, he was <laughs> up in Canada directing a Discovery. So I'll say it wraps around episode one and episode 10. Brent Spiner as data like this show this season is kind of about data and it's funny because nemesis not not a very good movie um and and it, although it kills data off it's not really closure for his story and the whole arc that he had throughout the series about wanting to be human and all of that and very clearly the producers and writers of this show said this is going to be one of our themes it's going to be about picard feeling guilt for data's death feeling like he hasn't done uh, something productive with the years that Data granted him by trading his life to save Captain Picard's life. And it's going to be about Data's legacy in that these androids are kind of built upon Data and go further than Data. And then we get the Brent Spiner appearances, not only as another uh, Soong, which in a great line that Data says in episode 10, they're an acquired taste. Right? It's, like, it's so, yeah. so good. But, um, but as Data, and those moments, like that was where they played the nostalgia factor a little bit, but I think in a really great way, which is to say, it's, it's nostalgia for Picard too. This is a friend that he lost and he's kind of haunted at the beginning by data in his dreams and then at the end it ends up being this sort of like final uh this is the final goodbye and that's for six minutes they have a conversation in episode 10 that leads to data essentially saying yeah oh really wow i thought that was the best six minutes in the whole show erica (laughs) six minutes of crying what are you talking about that was a measure of a man too the yeah. conversation. I don't know. I feel like, like I'm watching from the you haven't really seen Star Trek before pers- like perspective since it's been so long ago. Yeah. So I think if I had had all of those those feels for 
data in his story, which I had kind of mostly forgotten about. Um, I, it probably would have worked for me. So I'm coming at that scene from a I'm really happy that it worked for so many of my friends because it made like everybody cry. And I thought that was great. It did not make me cry. I just it seemed to to linger and kind of go on and it didn't emotionally connect with me. The only thing that emotionally connected with me in that last episode was actually when Elnor started crying about Picard's death. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, yes. that, that's good, too. I just I mean, thematically, the the whole idea here is Picard has felt ever since Nemesis that um, he that, that Data shouldn't have died and that it's his fault and that he shouldn't be alive. Data should be alive. And he has this guilt and he hasn't done anything with his life, which makes it even worse since he's been retreated into the into Chateau Picard all this time. And that 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 at the end, it's sort of like resolution and forgiveness and understanding. And he helps his friend, you know, on his way. And yes, it is true. You really need to have have dialed into data's whole journey over all these years of wanting to be human for it to hit you. But as somebody who was dialed into it Mm -hmm. to have him say in the end, I need to die now because that's the most human thing of all. And it's like, Oh my God, like, Oh, Oh, it's a, yeah, it it, it worked for me. If I watch it again, like knowing that, like I listened to the Vulcan hello episode and was like, Oh yeah, right. That, that totally makes right. sense. Yeah. So I think if I watched it again, been a while. I would probably be a sobbing mess. Yes. But because I was coming to it so cold, uh, it just, sure. yeah, it didn't hit me. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I think it does hit Picard. It's not just about Data, though. It no, is also true. about him trying to do right by his friend that brought him on. Because Data is the impetus for all this, right? Like he, it, it, This yeah. is quite surprisingly going into this. I did not expect that this show was going to be about Data, but it actually kind of is. It's about Data and Picard's relationship with him, which surprised me. The, the thing that bothered me about that scene and the scene at the very beginning of the show was that Brent Spiner as Data doesn't really look like Data anymore, no matter oh, how man. Oh, I beg the difference. Yeah. No, I think- I just, it, it took me out of it every time. And I thought him as a Soong uh, offspring worked a lot better yeah. because mm-hmm. he could... Oh, the thing that killed me was seeing Data in the simulation and then, then seeing Soong. And I was like, no, no, go away. I, I just want to go. Just yeah, I thought simulated yeah. data. I thought with the de-aging and all that. I mean, I think I think it's almost like a modern take on data. They are trying to make him look artificial too. So they're smoothing everything out, and the eyes are weird and it's as all good of as that. But I thought it, I thought it looked good. I thought it looked good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. all right. But the whole simulation thing and the way it was shot and. So it's it's all very smooth and stuff, and even at the end where it kind of turns into the nebula and the, like the, the space stuff, I don't know that was kind of like pretty beautiful, and I got kind of got choked up there. That's yeah, which is which is a good thing for a season finale. So we haven't know? mentioned Marina Sirtis, yeah. but I'm going to mention her because I think she does great work in that episode with Riker and Troy as well. She doesn't get listed in the opening credits, which makes me really yeah, angry that Jonathan Frakes was in there and she wasn't. Right. I don't know. He's got a better agent or I don't know um, that made me mad but uh, she does a good job apparently she brought she after Nemesis was over she took her wig and contact lenses away as a souvenir and that's what she's wearing they actually like cleaned up the contacts and they cleaned up the wig and they're like we're gonna have to make you what what do you know about the wig that you wore as troy and she's like oh i have it (laughs) oh my god we can really use that but but uh she did she did a great job in that too and has several moments where she tells um the boys uh what's up (laughs) that Mm -hmm. that that i really enjoyed so it was good to see her 
too. <laughs> oh, can I just ask the... Yeah, uh, everybody else Everybody the, else is hosting the show. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just behind James next to uh, uh-huh, you know, the That's camera. right. And There's anyway. a line forming in <laughs> behind <laughs> my chair. Closer. Thank you. Uh, just the, the terminal illness, the golem, and the new body with the algorithmic cell degeneration. Like, was that too much Star Trek-y, Star Trek science? <laughs> like, that's I, all I'm going to ask. I think it, the like, problem I had with it was, like, when you knew that there was this you know, backup body sitting in a room somewhere. It was like, well, somebody's going to die and then they're going to get put in that body. And it was just, it came down to whether it was going to be Data Reborn or Picard. And I figured it was going to be one of the two. And I don't know. I wish they had come up with some other way of fixing him rather than having him die and then have everybody mourn him for two minutes and then bringing him back again. (laughs) <laughs> it definitely was their their plan from the beginning according to the producers is that that was part of the story from the beginning is that they wanted to tell the story of Picard knowing he's going to die and trying to make the most of the life that he has left and sacrificing himself in order to get the you know get Soji to do the right thing by buying her time and think and thinking it's a sacrifice and then using science fictional magic to have him it, it, not be dead <laughs> after all it's also a bit Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, um, you know, touches on a lot of the similar things. So I was kind of expecting it. And and yet somehow it's not as bad as the magic repair thing that then doubles as the I'm going to yes. make many ships appear. That was I think that was the step too far. Like really? even the golem and stuff. I like the magic I, repair yeah. gizmo because it's it, that to, that to me was very Star Trek, which is oh you need you mean the space hippie a space hippie android hands you a weird gl- blue glowy thing and says oh just think positive thoughts and it'll fix stuff and you're like okay well, that, that was very much a sonic screwdriver yeah yeah but like but but when it was just fixing stuff when it was making uh, two hundred ships appear that's when it, they lost me like yeah. that's that's where it gets kind of to the way out that basically all but, right yeah. oh and the orchids are awesome yes that's all i'm gonna say another very star yeah. trekky thing is we we have these yes. big flowers that give your ship a hug and then suck all the power out so that you crash like i love that i thought that they looked interesting um and and were very weird and very star trekky in that way very original original series Star Trek <laughs> yes that, that, that's something the original series would have done mm-hmm. but now we actually have computers that can make them like look good actually like, look good. it's not yeah. it's not a green hand it, taking the ship basically yeah that reminds me of something that like there's a few like in my opinion like drop like slip between the cracks like references and one was that this this duo uh Jana and Beautiful Flower yes. uh, get picked up by the Ibn Majid, and that's the ones who get assassinated. So who was Beautiful Flower? We never find out. Yeah, I I assumed that it was going to be Data or a Data-like I android. Too. And maybe, maybe it was or whatever, but yeah, that, that's never, uh, that's never, never followed up on. Yeah. Never that's a, that's another loose uh, thread. I will say about the orchids that I thought I did think they were gorgeous. I thought that was a wonderful hippie idea to do, but, uh, and I also liked, you know, at the end when you have all the Romulan feet, fleet firing at them, I thought they like disintegrated beautifully. That was a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. shot. But I was also yes, thinking yes. space is three dimensional these days. So hmm. why aren't you just like flanking them and going around? They only have a handful. You've got 218 ships. So it was. there were yeah. definitely a number of moments throughout the entirety of the series <laughs> where stuff happened, 
because the plot needed it to happen. Yes, and for sure. In almost yes. in almost every case, I was able to just be like, well, I recognize that that's what's happening, but because of this other factor, I'm going to let it I'm go. go so it. in this case, yep. it was beautiful. <laughs> so I'm going to let it go. Exactly. Exactly. I, I thought the orchids were a bit volon. Um, <laughs> yes. That's what it brought to mind for me. Yep. Yeah, but it's almost as, uh, as, uh, as though uh, Star Trek doesn't really do well with multiple ship battles, which we saw in Discovery as well. Mm-hmm. I actually think that, that this one did better just in the sense that it's kind of an unbattle, yes. right? Like yes. The, yes. the part where yes. there's all the explosions and stuff, that's the Romulans trying to blow up these flowers that are yes. there. And Picard and Dorati are like zipping around trying to not be hit. And that's the big space battle is just that. And I like that because it was like, we're not even going to, sh- no, we're, we'll give you some explosions <laughs> in space, but like, we're not even going to try because I think you're right, Anjay, like we said in our Discovery episode, uh, giant scale uh, space battles in Star Trek are, are not generally a good idea. And especially if you only have kind of one ship design for the Romulans and one ship design for the Federation. I would have also been more interested if it had been four Romulan ships instead of 200 against three yeah. or four Federation ships instead of 200, mm-hmm. because that felt also just kind of gratuitous and, and pointless. <laughs> it felt like we've got the model so we can copy and paste it. Exactly. <laughs> it's a battle of control V. Yes. <laughs> Great battle. It was fun. Oh, I want to mention Jonathan Del Arco as Hugh. Speaking of recurring characters. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. I hope that we get more kind of Borg related stuff in season two only because I think their take on the Borg as being victims was always, it was always there and then never really got engaged with in the Star Trek at the time, except in some very specific moments, including Iborg, which introduced Hugh. So to see Hugh and the ex-Borgs, the ex-Bs, and that he's trying to be, you know, save them and 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 deprogram them, and they've got the, whatever. I get the impression that they're like a non-governmental organization with a limited budget that mm-hmm. that is allowed to work <laughs> in Romulan space, but has Federation funding. And I, I get I get the impression like this is not the job that Hugh wants, but it's he's responsible for them, and he feels like he has to do it. And he gets he dies, uh, you know, basically saving Picard, and and that and it's it's sad that he dies, but he does kind of die nobly, and um. It's a it's a good death. A Klingon would approve. But I love the moment with Picard where Picard turns to him and is like, it's so good to see you and thank you for doing this. That it, it really that was one of the mo- more emotional moments to me because that and um, Seven talking to Picard about being a Borg like the Borg stuff like it was really good. My frustration is that in the end, it kind of didn't amount to anything, but it was, I really appreciated how creepy the idea of a dead Borg artifact where there are like ex Borgs floating around, like, and, and it's been 300 days since the last assimilation. Like those are all really great ideas. It's just, when you look at all 10 episodes, you're like, oh, and then they didn't really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's a whole season worth of ideas. Yes. Yeah. In that, totally. Yeah. I think, I think that's yeah. the truth of it is if the Borg and the Romulans uh, and the androids, I mean, the Borg and the androids aren't connected. Why do we both, why do we have them both to this level? Because I, I would get it if they were thematically connected, but it doesn't feel like they really are. Mm-hmm. It's more like the Borg cube was kind of a, a almost like a MacGuffin at, at a few points. A giant yeah. flying MacGuffin. Cubicle. With with seven of nine, when she gets plugged in and sort of yeah. becomes a mini queen and all that, that could be like a whole I wanted season that in itself. to be yeah. so much more. I just like I felt like it, it, 
as it was starting, I was like, my I could feel my insides gearing up for the emotional, like, oh my God, that I was going to have to feel at this. But it was so perfunctory and it happened yeah. so fast that I then was then left with Then they all the Borgs and yeah. shut it down and that was the yeah. end. I just, I just felt kind of hollow and empty inside because I felt like that should have been its own entire episode with her as the focus of it. Hollow and empty like the Borg cube after yeah. they ejected all the Borg, am I right? I, I did that on purpose, <laughs> totally, totally. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that, that was the, one of those moments where it's like, and for Seven, it's like, I'm going to connect to this thing that I spent my whole life running away from because I need to do this and it's really, I'm going to put myself in jeopardy and all this stuff. And the end, it's like, man, okay, I'm done. And then uh-huh. it was the same thing where, where it just felt like, this is great. What are you doing to just, to bring it up and then just walk away from it? Yeah. I, I really thought that they were going to do more with the cube as well. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. When, I mean, I love seeing the cube show up you know after through its trans warp conduit sure on on uh, you know it's like whoa it's here and then it just gets like you know bounced to the ground by the orchids and and that's it like Mm -hmm. i really thought the cube was going to play a role in like saving the androids yeah it had long-range scanners and that was about it and that was about it yeah 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 i do wonder if if that was just as they're writing it they thought you know we can't service this story because we have too much other stuff mm-hmm. and it's Not too until bad. Season two. Yeah. Yeah. Until season I mean, two. It, and, and I wouldn't put it past them for season two to be more about Borg things. And given that Picard at the end is a, is a, uh, golem with the mind of Jean-Luc Picard, an organic, a nice moment when, when, uh, um, Soji immediately says, are you, you know, when, when he says, am I real? And she says, yes, you are. That is a, that is a, a flip of their relationship. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I think the season two is primed in a way thematically to be about what does it mean? What does it mean that Picard mm-hmm. is who he is now? Is he human? Is he more human? Is he less human? And uh, with seven kicking around as well as, and, and Soji, your organic synth, you've got a real conversation about like, what does it mean to be alive and what does it mean to be human? And the Borg would seem to fit into that. So I do hope that the, the this ends up being kind of groundwork that they can mm-hmm. use for season two. Cause I, I do, I'm sad that mm-hmm. the Borg stuff ended up being kind of left on the side of the road. I mean, the Borg would be a good sort of, they're a sort of mid ground between the synths and the humans mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Right. they, they could, you know, be some kind of mediation or whatever. And yeah, it, it seemed a wasted opportunity. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more I realize that the the bit that emotionally grabbed me the most was the whole thing with the Borg cube and like the XBs and, you know, not the sister and the hot Romulan boyfriend, although he was hot, but, yeah. but the just Hugh. <laughs> and I didn't, I barely remember that episode that Hugh was originally in, but for some reason he completely captured me uh, just emotionally. His performance was was not over the top in any way, but it was just it was just so solid. He was doing what he thought was right. And that really appealed to me. And I was very I was surprisingly crushed when he died. I I, like I yelled at the TV screen and I don't usually do that. So. So, yeah, I'm as we're talking this out, realizing that that chunk of the story, which ended up not being as big a chunk of the story as I would have liked, was the bit that I resonated with. So I think maybe that scene where he's walking around with Picard. 
And, you know, Picard is finally sort of convinced that this is the right thing because um, he was really nervous about just hitting hitting on the board cube in the first place, being there, uh, that, you know, maybe season two will have a little bit of, you know, Jean-Luc Picard, Crusader for XB rights. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if there was one thing that I, I that I've really had a problem with with this season, it was how vulgar it was. Mm. It's it's weird. And, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not a uh, weird kind of like, oh, don't curse. I curse plenty in my in my day to day life. But I always felt like Star Trek should have been, you know, should be above that. And and for the most part, it has been with the exception of the the one time in Discovery where it was an exclamation of, you know, something that was that was really nice. This in this uh, in this show, this season, they just, they were cursing like, you know, because they were like on, people, you know, premium, premium cable. Yeah. <laughs> like, like people of the 21st century, which, you know, they should not be. I, I, I like also it. the Star Trek series where a, uh, doctor murders her, her colleague right. slash lover yeah. and that's a thing that happened right. in a Star right. Trek series she, gets and she still gets to be on right. the ship well, so right. far yes. she's the hero right yeah. so yeah, far which is you know well, that's she did, new she did she was under the influence of a, a yeah. non-consensual mind meld by a Romulan <laughs> there, hashtag but, brainwashing yeah. it's the best defense yeah yeah, yeah no I, yeah. I I'm torn on it because like, like somebody interjected there like a person right it's like I get I get what you mean Cicero and I, I've heard from some people who say I like watching Star Trek with my kids and I, you know I don't like this language so I'm not going to do it and I I get it I feel re- really strongly like Star Trek shouldn't always have to be for kids but at the right. same time sure. and I do think that like they're trying to make the point that people in real life really do swear and stuff and and Brios has a cigar too right like there's a bunch of different stuff going on here and there's there's the the there's a uh, he and Agnes basically have uh sex because she feels bad and she wants to feel better and it's very clear that that they're like okay let's do that and and, and these are all like adult themes but what I do kind of agree with is when somebody drops an f-bomb in the middle of the show I'm like did that need to be in there? Like, not that, not that I'm opposed to it. And I watch a lot of HBO stuff, which has got the roughest language at all, but more like, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that you have to use it. It's more just that you, you're free to use it. So you do. And so I'm I'm torn because I want them to deal with adult themes and I'm okay with him saying, this is not for kids. This is a more mature show, but you know, you should, you need a really good reason to do it. And I'm not convinced that the swearing on either of these shows has actually been for a good reason. I don't think you do. I, I really don't. People swear all the time for not good reasons. And like I punched the air almost every time it happened because I felt like, <laughs> yes, these people are expressing the, the feelings that I have about these situations in the way that I would express them. And I, I'm i on the other, the other side. I get really annoyed with, you know, network television shows where people are swearing with fake swear or they're not allowed swear, to swear sure. or they're not allowed to swear at all because it's like this perfect halcyonic future and guess what we've learned in this show that the future is not so perfect and halcyonic so to me it just it felt very natural and it felt and it felt right so I think there's a type mismatch because you've got characters from Next Generation on this show and I think that that's always been the case yeah. it's also true when they swore in the Star Trek Next Generation movies too where it's like it's funny but it's also like that's it feels a little weird because right. we never heard them do it before I actually there's there are a couple moments where Picard says 
says some things that again, Picard doesn't drop an f bomb, but he does he he does some milder language that's still stronger than he ever used before and i enjoyed that because it felt like now he was part of that world like because that's part of the weirdness right it's like well these people swear these x starfleet whatever's but our people don't and that doesn't seem to make sense to me I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I, Erica, you're right. Part of it is that we're trained that it's Star Trek. And so when you lean forward every time. Yeah. Again, I'm watching it from from a not steeped in Star Trek position. So I definitely have a different different view on it. I mean, there's swears and then there's talking about having sex. Right. Is, <laughs> right. There was that like, you know, did you or, or whatever, you know, and uh, I was like, OK, well, this is... This, I that, mean, it that, came out of the mouth of a villain. It may have been the most interesting thing she said on the entire show. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. that's true. Yes, but yeah, the, yeah. I, I, I forgot. I, I mentioned Agnes and, and uh, Rios, but uh, obviously Hot Ramen, Romulan Boyfriend and uh, Soji <laughs> are uh, seen in bed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, and that's what I'm saying too, is like, I, I didn't, maybe it says something about me that like the swears I stop and I'm like, oh, that's interesting and funny. And like when Tilly drops an F-bomb in discovery, yes, it makes right. me laugh that's and laugh and best. laugh because right. yeah, yeah. the way I it's used, it's very yeah. tactical on that character and it, all, it makes a lot of sense. But, um, what does it say that those make me pause a little bit, but the adult themes don't bother me at all. Cause it's like, cause, cause people swear, but yeah, people also have sex and to say that they yeah. do, uh, on Star Trek, it's like, well, yeah, they do. Like they go to the bathroom too. We haven't that talk about where no man has gone before. <laughs> bathroom. We're not one has gone before, but Kevin Kirk's bathroom. It's, anyway. Um, but, uh, we'll get there. I, I, I don't think we saw the bathroom proper in Star Trek Picard, but there's a season two to do that part two it's yeah. in terms of relationships we should probably mention the the locked hands with uh yeah seven. Oh, and Raffi and seven, yeah. Raffi and seven. Yeah. yep that was a surprise it's it's very strongly uh implied although it's never said outright but it's very clear that bejazel the reason bejazel yes. who is the one who killed icheb and uh she's and seven is very angry in the in the start of city rag episode like it's very clear that bejazel is seven's ex and that's one of the reasons they that they are they feel breakup. so betrayed it's the worst breakup because it turns out she was just using you to kill your friend to, yeah. and steal yeah. his yeah. son yeah. yeah like that's as bad as it gets that's real so bad pretty news. it was it was pretty clear by the way shout out to mr vup the uh the lizard oh, yeah. man in that episode yeah. it was really good who <laughs> i love and uh never forget various bones my favorite line various. of the entire season <laughs> because seven has implants in her organs and various bones various it turns bones. out he's like yeah. a, a gordon 2.0 yeah like that's, i think yeah. so yeah. but but in a, yeah. in a, in like a, a, a suit <laughs> like, yeah. like he's dressed up yeah. he's, in the he's casino. a snappy dresser yeah, yeah. he's a but, snappy dresser uh, yeah there was some discussion um you know i've followed where people were like that's kind of surprising about seven and rafi right at the end because it seemed like they had nothing no interaction up until that point but i was re-watching stardust city rag today and rafi's putting that whole thing together and as she's putting the handcuffs on seven she's saying um i really admire what you do what you're you know saving people and all this and it was like this beginning of a crush uh-huh. was right there and I was like mm-hmm. okay yeah. it was there also Raffi's phone call with her friend from Starfleet where she's trying to get yeah. the diplomatic privileges it's very uh, again 
I think it's fairly easy to read into that 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 is also your ex calling you, not yeah. just a mm-hmm. colleague. So I think I think the producers. I mean, there's an interview with Michael Shabon where he said, you know, it's set up. If you look for it, we didn't have anybody like say outright that you know like oh that that's my yeah. ex girlfriend or whatever. But it's like it's there and it's set up. And if you don't think it was set up, you just weren't paying attention. Go back and look, and it's set up. So it is that was a that was a fun moment where they interlock their fingers there at the end, and also mm-hmm. Agnes kisses. Uh, Rio. So it's like, is that a, is that a real thing yeah. or, or they, not? This is interesting? I think that was laid out even more clearly than yeah. than uh, the seven and and Rafi thing because they had they were having flirtations yes. even before they slept together. But I think it was more than more than mm-hmm. friends with benefits. Like he, you know, mm-hmm. he was trying to protect her down on in Synth City, and that's true. I just thought that was kind of a funny, a funny like, oh, okay, all right, we're doing this, all right, we're doing this. Great Agnes, I think, and Chris Rios, all right. I think it's going to make yeah. for an interesting next season if like half of half the, crew the cast are, are, are sleeping with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah I, I just think there's a lot of sl- sexual fluidity that's going on there. That I, I'm not reading in deep relationships with any of these people. I just think, I just think they just, you know, love who you love. That's right. They're, they're not in Starfleet. They're on, on their random ship. Anything goes. They're in international waters or whatever. (laughs) It's, it's all, uh, it's all, it's all fine. No, the, the moment that I really liked that sets up the whole story with Agnes and Rios is when she talks about how she uh, lived in a house with somebody who read, you know, who read books and looked like that. And he's like, all right, we're talking. So you're saying I'm like your boyfriend. And she said, it was my dad. And he's like, oh, uh, and you could tell he was like super into it until it re- she revealed that it was her dad. And then he's like, oh man, I remind you of my dad. And it's all just in their facial expressions, but it's like, these are good actors. And it was very funny. So, yeah. so overall, I guess we should go around one last time and, and have some, any final thoughts and things you want to mention that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, if I've to summarize what we've been saying here, kind of kind of weird. Went to places we didn't expect. Uh, a lot of good stuff in it. Some stuff that makes you go, hmm, did they really swing and miss at that one? Kind of a mixed bag. I was really happy about. It. I think I, I, you know, I was. I I don't know what my expectation is going in for something like this. It's like, how are they going to revisit Picard? And is Patrick Stewart going to be up to the challenge? Uh, he is, by the way. That that's the answer. Is Patrick? Stewart. I don't know if we even talked about it because it's assumed it is Sir Patrick Stewart. But I feel like he his performance is also very subtly Picard gains momentum. You see him get mm-hmm. back into it as the season progresses. He is more like the old Picard at the end than he is at the beginning. And I think that is a you know a performance thing. For from Patrick Stewart that is impressive but um, that's that's my feeling about it I really enjoyed it there are things that I wish they had done uh, better but uh, I liked it and I'm looking forward to that season two where they're all they're all on the bridge they're all going to go on adventures right that's going to happen right right we'll see uh, Anshay what are you uh, final thoughts from you about uh, Picard oh yeah uh, one thing we kind of uh, maybe missed or kind of glossed over uh, Commodore O was kind of awesome I don't know I think I kind of bought her Tamlin, the Tamlin Tamita the, your yeah. Vulcan when, when a Vulcan wears sunglasses they're not a Vulcan but like I think like she was as a, as a, as a you know the, the head boss of the bad guys I think that was kind of a, a good a good choice I guess but uh, I think uh, I think I learned a new word today when describing a series and that's lumpy which I think yeah. like a couple of you said <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna go with that like I think lumpy is kind of the right word but I think this was like like I said at the beginning like we're in a like a an era of Star Trek where we have like 
two ongoing series and I personally want to see more of both of them, which really wasn't the case there for a while. So so I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to season two. I hope they kind of uh, at least try with, uh, you know, a half a season's worth of ideas and yeah. then maybe have some padding episodes in between. I think I might actually enjoy that more. And I hope, I don't know, maybe the ship blows up and they, they get a cooler ship. That's <laughs> Steal a ship from the Federation you know, or something. Get an old yeah, ship out of mothballs. <laughs> yeah, or maybe just spray paint this one. Into, I don't know. Just, just, just do you something. You don't like the racing stripes? Yeah, because I, yeah, racing stripes or, you know, just, flames. just, yeah, or just call it the bounty and have a callback to the old, anyway. Uh, just, yeah, I, uh, like, a, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I watched it on Amazon Prime over here, which, because I have the German Amazon, the whole app is in German. That's, <laughs> that's a thing, and I barely speak German. I don't know why I mentioned that. But just annoys me, so Second, I figured right. I had to say it somewhere. But yeah, Star Trek Picard, like uh, you know, I, I, a good show, like a good. Show. I'm gonna say it, a good show. Yeah, Cesaro, final thoughts? Uh, yeah. So I, collectively, the show is a mess thematically, um, or maybe not thematically, but narratively. Yeah, I think that's it. I think they knew what yeah. their themes were, but then their story right. stuff is all yeah. over the place. <laughs> yeah, lumpy um, people, lumpy, lumpy. lumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was narratively lumpy. Um, um, but unlike Discovery, uh, I can see myself going back and revisiting episodes from this season, uh, just, you know, just to feel good and, and picking up different things. But we'll, we'll probably never watch the entire season from beginning to end ever again. Um, because there were great moments in there. There were great performances in there. Um, but I don't know if they were able to successfully complete something. But I will watch season two, of course, because I, I still love what they had there. Mm-hmm. I think season two will be better than season one. I think so, too. I, I Again, I keep referencing these. Michael Chabon did a bunch of interviews in the last week of the show. And, and you know, he said... It's a first season of Star Trek, basically. He's like, I learned a lot. He had never done a, been a showrunner before. He's a you know a prize winning novelist, but he'd never run a TV show before. And I, I get the sense that that they were figuring it out as they went. And and try and um, you know, first seasons of Star Trek shows generally they do get better in the second season. That generally happens. Um, so we'll see. I'm I am excited about it. I think that's one of the greatest verdicts you can give to any show as you get to the end and they're like, Are you excited for another season of this? And it's like, Yes, I am. I am. That's a that's a positive. Erica? Yeah, I, I'm also excited. Uh like I said, it was a little uneven for me and I found that the uh like the great secret behind it all uh was really kind of unsatisfying in terms of like who the Jat Vash were and the fact that this really, really sad, uh insane and brought down an entire Borg cube like all of that yeah. kind of stuff mm-hmm. sort of right. felt just a little bit a little bit weak or at least underdeveloped um, but again I kind of didn't care because I enjoyed so much of it I enjoyed the performances I like I said I really really enjoyed the beginning I think I liked the first three episodes so much that it carried me through some of the 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 lumps in the rest of the season and and then by the end I just I felt like it was emotionally satisfying and even you know even if i didn't dig the six minute scene with with data uh, 
it I, I could I could feel that the person sitting next to me was really digging it. And I could feel <laughs> that my friends out in the greater world were really were really digging it. So so overall for me it was it was a definite solid win. Like, you know, for as, as much as I have said that there are bits and pieces that I was kind of iffy on, uh, overall I thought it was was actually quite great, especially as you said, for a first season of a Star Trek show. And I am I am all in on the next season because like at the beginning of this, uh, there were still other shows airing at the same time or had been airing because I know Doctor Who, I don't know if it crossed over with it uh, time wise. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, those first few episodes, I was more excited to sit down and watch the first couple episodes of Picard like after waiting for that entire week than I was about Doctor Who, which is like my show. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I felt like they they did a great job of, of getting me into it and I suspect that they will have the same success uh, at the beginning of season two whenever that happens. And I really, really look forward to it. Same. Uh, Jean, final thoughts? Definitely looking forward to season two. I'm very happy uh, that at least it seems like um, Seven will be part of the main crew. Sure seems and like it, doesn't it? She, here, here. Yeah. yeah she, I, when I saw that, um, you know, the, the episode with... Uh, um, her going to the to Stardust City. That was, I thought, did they just use her for this? Because it was a great episode and everything, but it was it was really not clear how much she was going to be in it. So they they did bring her back. They did you know hook her up with the crew. Um, there were a lot of hugs in this season, and I liked that actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. For season two, I would like to see more. Um, more Laris and Shaban. Yeah. I want to see more of yes, number yes, one, yes. the dog. They may have to I recast to the dog, but <laughs> they can do that. Just find yeah. another pit bull and bring him back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I w- more of um, Elnor and mm-hmm. the Fenris Rangers, I think, uh, could right. you know, be a great plot line. And I'd like to see if my secret theory about uh, Agnes, that she is an android, comes true. Oh, interesting. Wow. Interesting. Okay. That, um, yeah, okay. The, uh, I love conspiracy theories. I love a good conspiracy theory. Those are great. <laughs> uh, by the way, for the record, if you don't know the, uh, the nerdery, the so much nerdery, Elnor, if you think he looks like an elf and he sounds like somebody from Lord of the Rings, Elnor in Elvish means a star and a journey, which means <laughs> literally in Elvish, Elnor's name is Star Trek. <laughs> I True love story, that but... so much. Uh, James yep. Thompson, any final thoughts from you? Um, I mean, I think we've we've sort of covered most of the points. Uh, you know, it, it was lumpy like a Klingon's forehead. Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, New the Klingon. Thing, the thing <laughs> we don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> the thing that I like uh, in star wars is when everything is kind of small stakes you know little side stories and things and i would say the same for this for a second season i don't necessarily want the you know the fate of organic life in the galaxy yeah you know (laughs) just just have some little adventures and some personal relationships between these people and you know they can be on they can be anywhere in the galaxy. Don't make it about, you know, Picard having to sort of justify his entire career or or trying to like wrap up the data stuff or anything. Just give us, you know, like l- smaller stuff. And uh, I think 
I would be a lot happier with that. But, you know, I've, I've sounded like I've been complaining a lot about it. You know, it was a lot better, as we said, than like season one of Next Generation or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's a low bar. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had lots of problems with it, but it was also good to have more Star Trek, you know, and I'm now sort of happy. It doesn't, they've kind of set the set a bar, you know, that they can do it and, and, uh, uh, Picard as a character is still interesting and interesting enough to hang a whole show around. So, yeah, I, I, I'm up for more and uh, I just hope that they get it more together in terms of the stories. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I, I, I really enjoyed it. But they definitely um, there's room for improvement. And uh, I, I think my biggest thing about it going in was some trepidation about like, are they going to are they going to mess it up? And, and I really mean like, don't blow it having Patrick Stewart involved and us seeing Picard again. You know, you need to t treat this character with with its due due respect and all of that. And like, and I think they did that. I think that it was um, they tried to do different stuff in Star Trek, and I think that was a great move to not have it just completely wallow in fan service, but try to show change and move things forward. And I appreciate all that about it, but. As everybody has said, yeah, narratively lumpy and overstuffed and a lot of stuff that just got left by the side of the road because they had to move on to episode 10. And uh, that, that was frustrating, but a lot of great stuff, too. And no more Nerissa. She's dead. I, t I decree it. She's dead. <laughs> you can bring, bring back her brother if you want, but... Uh, but because he's dreamy, but not not Nerissa. Don't know. Uh, and that brings us to the end of this episode of The Incomparable. So once around, just to say goodbye. Thank you. I'm sure we will all meet again uh, over pizza at Riker's house. Anjay Tomic, thank you. Uh, lumpy, the word of the day. Well, That's all I'm going to say. Right. Like, I, love, I just love learning stuff. And today I learned lumpy can be applied to a television <laughs> series. So awesome. Uh, Cicero Holmes, thank you. My oatmeal was lumpy this morning. Mm -hmm. uh, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper to you too. Erica Ensign, thank you. I am just going to follow this beautiful little butterfly mm -hmm. out the window and get some fresh air. It's a color-changing Android butterfly, but that's okay. I know. Jean McDonald, thank you. And thanks for leaving off the bunny corn sausage <laughs> on my pizza. That's right. Not everybody <laughs> wants to eat bunny corn. And that's fine. James Thompson, thank you. Please, my friends, choose to live. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next week. Engage! Engage!